0: And, Please uh, take a seat. It's so good to be sharing with you today. And a uh, big welcome to those of you who are new here for the first time, those joining us online as well. Great to have you linking in with us. Well, December is here, and that means that it is now officially Christmas. So if you're still in denial, I'm sorry, you can deny it no longer. It is here. Uh, but as a church, we are so excited about this season because it's one of the best opportunities we have all year to be able to share this incredible message of Christmas, the message of God's love for our world, Christ coming, drawing near, uh, giving his life for us. So it's an exciting time. But reaching out to family members and friends and colleagues, I don't know about you, but it can be sometimes an incredibly daunting prospect. Uh, I remember, in fact, I came across an ABC article recently talking about... Christmas. was written by Simon Smart and this is what um, he wrote. He said, a psychologist friend told me recently that she and her colleagues are always overbooked at this time of year. Often rueful jokes about in-laws or wayward brothers mask a profound sadness that life hasn't turned out the way we'd hoped. How'd this happen? Where did the magical Christmases we enjoyed as children go? Broad disenchantment with Christmas, at least among the jaded adults I mix with, matches a more comprehensive disillusionment with the faith that spawned the whole celebration in the first place. The last census reflected Australia's growing alienation from religion in general and Christianity in particular. It wasn't all that long ago that Christianity was simply the air we breathed, but today the church is widely seen as hopelessly outdated at best, or at worst, a toxic remnant of an oppressive past. Uh, When you read articles like that, it's a reminder that in the post-Christian culture that we live in, often the thought of trying to reach out to others and share with others about this hope found in Jesus can be very daunting. People often have uh, a a negative concept around uh, Christianity, around church, uh, and, and the thought of us sort of sharing with others can often fill us with a sense of uh, fear even of, you know, how do I share this? How do I tell others? I still remember vividly uh, many years ago now in my old workplace before I became a pastor uh, in the bank that I worked in, we would have a meeting once a fortnight where the whole team would gather together, around 30 of us, and we'd watch a video uh, presentation that was streamed out right across the whole organisation. And on this particular day, we were gathered as a team and uh, the video was played, and they were doing an interview with Tim Costello, who was a Baptist pastor. And it was coming up, it was an about, interview about some social action they were doing. And the title it came up, you know, Tim Costello Baptist Pastor. Now, my boss at the time was very much uh, uh, negative towards Christianity and the church, very overtly, in fact. And he decided just to throw out there, we're all in a group, he decided to say, Oh, is anyone here a Baptist? Now, I'm sitting there as this, you know, young, in my early 20s, uh, generally uh, fairly reserved sort of person, and I'm thinking, this, this, ang- this wave of anxiety and fear came over me. Here I am with all my colleagues in my workplace. What do I do? Do I say I'm a Baptist or do I just, you know, just leave that one and go through to the keeper? Some, somehow, I don't know why or how I did it, I, I sheepishly, very nervously put my hand up and I think, I can't remember exactly, but he made some sort of joke, I'm sure I went bright red and I just wanted to crawl under my seat. Now I wish I could tell you some amazing story that because I put my hand up, my boss, the whole team came to faith, it definitely is not what happened, <laughs> definitely did not happen. But it can be very daunting, can't it, to share our faith with others, it can be, it can be met with opposition, there can be misunderstandings. Um, the narrative that is out there. And it can feel sometimes like a burden to carry. How do I reach out to those around us? And it can hold us back from sharing with others. We think we'll leave that to the people who are gifted to do that. But I want to share with you some really encouraging news that I pray this morning will fill all of us with faith as we come into this Christmas outreach season. And this truth that I want to share with you is actually at the the core, at the heart of the building and discipling culture that we've been doing, the training we've been doing as a church this year. And, and we've seen so much fruit flow out of this. As we've gotten hold of this, this truth, this concept, it really has led to so much blessing. And the truth that I want to encourage you this morning with is this, that the Holy Spirit is always working in people's hearts and lives, even when we can't see it, and He is working in ways far beyond what you could ever imagine. This truth is that we are pretty average at reaching out. Even the most gifted of us, the most talented of us, the most knowledgeable of us, we are pretty ordinary at reaching out to others. But the good news is this, that the Holy Spirit is the most amazing evangelist ever. And he does not expect us for us to carry the weight of it. He actually wants to do the work, but he invites us into this this incredible adventure of seeing lives transformed by the message of Christ's love. And today we're going to look at some examples in the book of Acts to highlight this truth. I want you to see how this is how the Spirit of God works. In Acts chapter 8, we read, um, just after the stoning of Stephen's martyrdom, we read these words in Acts chapter 8 verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered... Throughout Judea and Samaria, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now, talk about a tough environment to be reaching out in. If you think the post Christian culture is hard, imagine um, how hard it was in this pre Christian environment. But as we read the following chapters in Acts, following on from this, we see this amazing work of the Spirit of God where hundreds, thousands of people come to faith. How does this happen? How does it take place when there's all this opposition, all this, this, this challenge around them? Well, there is a common thread that weaves through these stories. We're going to look at three stories, and there's a common thread that weaves through these and others right across the book of Acts and in other places of Scripture. And that common thread, I want to assure you up front, is not the evangelistic abilities or the biblical knowledge or the giftedness of the disciples. In fact, just the opposite. If you look, if you read the Gospels, you will know that um, the the disciples were pretty mediocre. They were very average at reaching out to others at evangelism. They hadn't been to Bible college. They were described as unschooled, as ordinary people. Um, when you read the gospels, some of them clearly lacked emotional intelligence and social tact, okay? It wasn't their brilliant interpersonal, inter- interpersonal skills that enabled them to reach so many people and even their messages, their preaching. If you read their, their messages, there was nothing particularly wow or fantastic about them. So what was the key? What's the, the, the thread that's weaving through this that we see people coming to faith? Well, in all of these stories, we see the common thread is the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in the lives of people long before the disciples get there and he is working in ways far beyond what they could have ever even begun to imagine and he invites the disciples in to be a part of what he is doing and we see this incredible fruitfulness begin to flow. Theologians describe this pre-salvation work of the Holy Spirit as the work of regeneration and not one of us has come to faith in Christ without the Holy Spirit first working in our hearts to bring us to that point where we are ready to respond in faith and trust, to make that decision to say, yes, Jesus, I place my faith and trust in you. All of us who have come to that place have experienced this work of the Spirit's regenerating work in our hearts. And so this morning, let's look at just three stories. The first one is in Acts 8. It's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, a well-known story But we read in this account that in verse 26 of chapter 8, that the angel of the Lord tells Philip, he's in Samaria, um, and in fact, some amazing things are happening in Samaria, but he tells Philip to leave Samaria and head towards Jerusalem. And on his way, he sees this influential, educated Ethiopian eunuch sitting in his chariot. He's having a break on his way, travelling back home. We read in verse 29 that the Spirit told Philip go to that chariot and stay near it. And as it turns out, Philip follows his prompting. He goes near the chariot and this eunuch has already got a Bible. He's already got the scriptures. God has somehow got this to him. He's reading Isaiah 53, the passage that Ty read this morning. And and Philip, he ends up coming to faith. Philip leads him to faith. And Philip gets a lot of credit for this man coming to faith. In fact, Philip even gets the nickname Philip the Evangelist. Now, I think it's overstating it just a little bit. If you read the story, Philip really had pretty much nothing to do with it. If you read the story, God's already working in the Ethiopian's life, right, long before Philip gets involved. He even already had, you know, the Scriptures. God's working there. God's doing all the heavy lifting. Philip simply, what happens? He gets a prompting from the Spirit. I want you to leave. I want you to go. Head towards Jerusalem. He does that. Even then, again, the Spirit prompts him, go over to that person there, that Ethiopian, and just draw near. He does that. What happens? The guy's reading the Scriptures. He just explains what he's already reading. He's asking the questions of Philip. Philip doesn't have to even do anything. And then he comes to faith and he gets baptised. Philip the Evangelist. I think that's overstating it a little bit. The Holy Spirit the Evangelist, I reckon, is the one doing the work there. But Philip is a classic example of this truth. It's not the evangelistic abilities of the disciples that sees this Incredible move, but rather it's the Spirit of God already working in the lives of people uh, in ways far beyond what the disciples could have imagined and then he invites the disciples in to be a part of what he is doing in people's lives. And I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly encouraging because often I feel the weight and I feel the pressure that I've got to have the answer, I've got to know what to say, I've got to carry this weight of reaching people on my own, but we read this and we see that actually, no, that's not what it's about. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the heavy lifting. And this has been a key part of our BDC training. We've been talking about praying and asking the Holy Spirit to lead us to a person of peace. A person that likes us, that is naturally drawn to us. A person who even serves us. And then when the Spirit of God leads us to that person, then we ask the question, would you be interested in reading the Bible with me? But the Spirit of God is already working in the person's life. Recently, at our hamper packing day here, we had hundreds of people packing the hampers and the team were at the info desk and a lady uh, and her granddaughter actually rocked up at the info desk. Pastor Jody was there and just assumed they were coming to help with some of the other volunteers, but the lady said, no, no, we're not not here to help. She said, I was driving by and I just felt this this, um, urge, this Compulsion to come in, just to drive in here, and so here I am. She said, "Actually, I drive past this church a little bit because my daughter is buried um, just in the cemetery next door. This is my granddaughter, the daughter, the um, daughter of my daughter, and uh, we drive past here. and Often, I feel this this urge to come in, and today I was driving past and I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so here we are, midweek. Jody's there, gets to share with this lady. The lady shares some of her story. As it turns out, God's already been working in her heart." revealing who Jesus is. She's come recently to this understanding that Jesus is real. And Jody's able to share more and, and pray with this lady and ends up coming to our services and um, to some other events here as well. But isn't that amazing? Do you see how the Spirit of God is already working in people's lives? We often look and we think, well, God, I don't think you're working there, or not in my workplace, or definitely not in that person's life. But I want you to see but God is always working in people's hearts and lives. Why? Because he loves them so much. He's given his own son. He loves this world. And he is always calling people to himself. He is always working in their hearts. Even people who seem the most anti. I want to tell you that's often a sign that God is doing his best work there. And I want you to see that this is God's heart. This is how he works. And he invites us in to be a part of this work that he is doing in people's lives. In Acts chapter 10, we see another story. It's the story of Cornelius, the Roman centurion coming to faith. Another amazing story. We read that at 3 p.m. one afternoon, Cornelius has a vision uh, where the angel of God appears to him and says, send some of your men to Joppa, Now he's in charge of all these, he's a Roman centurion, so he's in charge of all these people. Send some of your men to Joppa, bring back a man named Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea, right? Really specific instructions. So Cornelius sends his men out. He has his vision, like, oh, well, I'm going to do this. Sends his men out the next day. Meanwhile, while this is taking place, the apostle Peter is having a vision as well. He's on his rooftop. He's having this vision And God is telling him, revealing to him, this message of the good news of the gospel isn't just for the Jews, it's for the whole world, for everyone. And we read that while Peter is still thinking about the vision, the Spirit says to Peter, there are three men looking for you. So get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. How crazy is that? God gives him a vision tells him go downstairs there's three people you wouldn't normally leave with three people rocking up randomly your house but the spirit of God's preparing Peter's heart as well he goes with these three men he goes to Cornelius's house he simply shares the message of God's love for them the relationship they can have with them and Cornelius and his whole household come to faith incredible story now again Peter gets a lot of credit for what he's done here you know this bold evangelist. but if you look at the story more closely Peter really plays a pretty insignificant role doesn't he I mean firstly God's already preparing Cornelius' heart he gives him a vision to prepare his heart Peter simply follows the, the the vision that he gets and the Spirit's leading to go downstairs he goes with the three people he ends up there Cornelius is already asking him the question he doesn't even have to try and weave some special conversation going it's all there laid out for him he says yep this is what it's about Great, it comes to faith. The Holy Spirit, do you see it, is the one doing the heavy lifting, doing the work, working in Cornelius's life, in this household's life already. And he invites Peter in to be a part of what he is doing. Peter's role is simply to follow the prompting of the Spirit of God to be a part of where he is already at work. And I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly encouraging. Because I think to myself, well, yeah, God, I can do that. I can follow that that prompting from you just to just to go up and say hi to that person, just to start that conversation, to allow you to lead me to where you're already at work. Some of you may remember a little while back Pastor Andrew sharing the story of being in the queue at the op shop, and he remembered Nikki's words. Nikki, who runs the op shops, words at the queue at the op shops are great because they're such a good place to start conversations. And Andrew, having this in his mind, was sitting in the queue and. So he thought, well, I'll start a conversation with the lady in front of me. And as he started chatting to this lady, she said to Andrew, you remind me of my son, Andrew. I've got a son, Andrew, who lives in Perth, and he goes to a Baptist church as well. And the conversation continued to unfold, and Andrew realised that this lady, Patricia, was actually on her own. And so Andrew said, well, Patricia, do you want to come and sit with um, me and my wife, Andrea? uh, My wife, that's my wife, Andrew—and Andrew's wife. Natalie, let's get that clear, Natalie, (laughs) um, my wife Natalie, and and have a chat with us. And so Patricia, that would be lovely, I'd love to come and chat together. And so they began this conversation. As the conversation um, continued, Patricia shared about this incredibly tough season that she'd had. She'd had family members pass away. Um, she'd had health troubles. Uh, even uh, her pet dog that she loved dearly had passed away. This really tough time, and she'd had been struggling with some things, practical work she needed around her house, feeling very isolated. And Andrew thought to himself, gee, if the bridge care community team you know, could help here and um, introduced Patricia to Myra. And Myra organised the bridge care community team to go around to Patricia's help, and they helped clean things up. And Patricia was blown away by this. A little while later, Patricia ended up in hospital because she contracted COVID and she was in hospital very unwell. And so Andrew went to visit Patricia in hospital and shared with her a little bit, read some scripture, read a little bit of Psalm 23 to her and then left the hospital. Well, just after that, Patricia actually had a vision. She had a vision and in this vision, she saw a valley and in the valley were all these stones and rocks, but then up on the other side, uh, was all of this um, beautiful, um, lush greenery and flowers. And, and it was like she was being led through this. And the whole time she had this vision, she had this incredible peace just come over her that she never, ever experienced before in her life. She has this vision. The next thing that happens is her daughter-in-law, so Andrew, her son, his wife Fiona, the Christians who've been praying for Patricia, Fiona just so happens in that moment to ring Patricia just to see how she's getting on. Patricia is so overwhelmed by this vision. She just just spills it all out to Fiona. Fiona, you won't believe what just happened. I had this vision, this is what I saw, this valley I came through, had this incredible sense of peace. Fiona can't believe. They've been praying for Patricia for a long time, can't believe. And she says to her mother-in-law, Patricia, this this is what it is. This is God revealing his love. Psalm 23 that Andrew had just read, all the truths of that just coming through. And Patricia knows without a shadow of doubt in her heart, in her mind that this is real, that God is real, that God loves her and wants to be in a personal relationship with her. And Fiona has this opportunity to lead Patricia to faith on the phone, just like that. She places her faith and trust in Jesus. Fiona is so blown away by it. She's just ringing her mother-in-law just to check in. Next minute, she's leading her to faith. She rings Pastor Andrew and says, Andrew, you will not believe what has happened. I just led my mother-in-law to faith. She said, Andrew and we we all gather together in Perth with our kids. We we're on the ground. We we're on our knees on the ground, just praising God for what He has done. Amazing, isn't that an incredible story? This has just happened. Andrew Patricia's son was actually here in Perth for a few days, and he dropped into to the church here just to celebrate with us all to say thank you. And we all said it wasn't us; it was the Spirit of God. Andrew's in a queue. He starts a conversation. The Bridge Care team go around, but what was it? Who was doing? The the, the heavy lifting there, the Spirit of God gives Patricia a vision. Fiona rings, they've been praying. And this, in, the, in this incredible move the Spirit of God, Patricia comes to faith. This is what we're talking about here. That God is always working in people's hearts and lives in ways far beyond what we could ever begin to imagine. And he invites us in. To be a part of that, the the weight, the burden does not rest on us. He wants to, He is the one, He's the only one that can do the work. I want to tell you that. We can't bring anyone to faith in Him, but the Holy Spirit is the most amazing evangelist ever. And He invites us to join with Him on this most amazing adventure of all. There's another story in Acts 16, it's the story of Lydia. And this time it's the Apostle Paul who gets in on the action. He has a vision of a person in Macedonia saying to come would you come to Macedonia to help us and so Paul following this prompting of the Holy Spirit leaves where he is heads towards Macedonia finds himself in Philippi which is a leading city in that district of Macedonia he stays there a couple of days on um, the Sabbath he goes outside the city gates to pray to find a place to pray on the Sabbath when he gets there There are already some women gathered by the river there. So he simply, we read in the passage, he simply sits down and he begins to speak with them, right? Just starts a conversation. One of the ladies there is a woman by the name of Lydia. She's a businesswoman, um, very successful, a dealer in purple cloth. And we read in here, it's really interesting, we read that she was already a worshipper of God. right? So she already, that means that she'd already, God had already been working in her heart before even Paul gets here. She believed. It means that she believed there was a creator God. She knew that. She had an awareness of this, even though she didn't yet have a personal relationship with God. But then we read this in verse 14. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to Paul's message. And again, Lydia and her whole household come to faith and are baptized. Another incredible story. And again, Paul gets the credit. It's this is amazing Evangelist, look at what he's done. But before you get too intimidated by Paul's ability to articulate the scriptures and his knowledge of the scriptures, because he did have a good knowledge of the scriptures, and by his ability to give amazing apologetic responses to the big questions of life and faith, before you get too intimidated by Paul, look at again what part Paul's paul's part wasn't. He said it actually was a tiny part. What does he do? The Spirit of God tells him, Leave where you are, I want you to go to Macedonia. He does that. He simply is going outside the city gate to pray. There's some ladies there. He sits down, starts a conversation. And we read it's the Spirit of God that opens Lydia's heart to the message. Paul has very little to do with it, apart from following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? Do you see the Holy Spirit is the one who draws people to himself, the most amazing evangelist ever. Another example, again, of this truth, that it's not the evangelistic giftings of the disciples that uh, that leads this incredible fruitfulness. It's the Spirit of God already at work in people's hearts and lives in ways far beyond what they could ever imagine. And then he invites them in to be a part of this most amazing adventure. And I want to tell you, there is nothing more exciting in this life than being a part of what the Spirit of God is doing in drawing people to himself, in seeing him at work in people's hearts and lives, seeing that up front, not just hearing the stories, but actually being there when it takes place. There is nothing that brings more meaning and joy and purpose to our lives than being caught up in this exciting adventure of of journeying with God to see our communities, our world, to see individuals' lives transformed. Tonight, Ali is being baptised and he has an incredible story. Uh, He was doing some training with a group of paramedics not so long ago. And uh, as he's doing this training, he asks a question in the midst of his training, if anyone has found faith to be a help for them in their experience of dealing with stressful situations in work or trauma type situations, has anyone found faith a help? Now, in this training is a young woman uh, called Hannah, who's part of our church family here, who's a Christian. And she's in this training, and she hears this question. And she's looking around. No one is putting their hand up. And she's like, what do I do? Do I put my hand up? Do I just... Stay? So she, a bit like me, uh, timidly puts her hand up and says, I have. And because no one else is interested, that sort of doesn't really go anywhere. They say, okay, that's interesting. And Hannah's like, okay, that's a bit weird. there's a bit awkward in front of all these people I'm doing training with. Afterwards, Lee comes up to Hannah and says, Hannah, I saw you put your hand up. I am really intrigued. I've been really researching this and wondering what part faith has in this. Can you tell me more about your experience? So Hannah says, okay, tells a bit of her experience and have this conversation. Hannah ends up saying to Lee, Lee, you should just come to my church sometime. Just come, come along and check it out and find out more. And so Lee says, yeah, actually, I would love to do that. Is that okay if I come to your church? Yep, no worries, come along. So Lee comes to church And then just this incredible story continues to unfold. In fact, let me read to you a little bit of Lee's testimony that he's going to share tonight. This is what he says. He said, if you told me I'd be standing here six months ago, I would have told you you're dreaming. I wasn't raised in a religious family, only attending church for weddings and funerals, but at the same time, I never considered myself as an atheist. Religion was simply absent from my life. It wasn't until I had a chance encounter with my friend Hannah here with me today and has been a great inspiration on my journey to this moment. I felt for a long time that I was missing something for my life, but I didn't know what it was. I would feel strong emotions of guilt, regret and remorse whenever I strayed from my own internal ethics or moral behaviour, but I never understood where that morality came from. I asked myself, if there is no God then why do I feel shame and guilt? Especially if everything is permitted. It didn't make sense. By the way, Lee is describing this part of this regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And part of that work is is revealing to us conviction of of our need, of of our sin and our need for God. He says, this sparked a deeper exploration of the Bible through a scientific lens. I went down a rabbit hole of research, asking questions and exploring the evidence the existence of God and I soon realized Christianity is based on rationality not a blind leap of faith. This was greatly aided by an invitation to the Alpha program which I will be forever grateful for. I couldn't be more thankful for a new beginning, a new nature as I start the adventure of my life. How incredible is that church? Isn't that an incredible story? Praise God. You know what? We've got a new name for Hannah. She is Hannah the Evangelist. That's her new nickname we're using. But in reality, again, what what did Hannah do? She's in a class. She puts her hand up. Lee, God's already been working in Lee's heart long before Hannah comes along. She's available. She's ready. Lee's asking Hannah all the questions. She's just sharing her own story. A simple invitation, if you want, come to church, hear more. And out of that has flowed this incredible story. But the Holy Spirit was the one. Was it doing all the work, doing all the heavy lifting? Hannah got caught up, has been caught up in this amazing adventure. And if you talk to Hannah, she will share with you how incredible, how exciting it has been for her and how it stirred something within her about how God wants to work in and through her life. You know, if we often think, well, I, I, can't, I can't, I couldn't do that. I can't do outreach. People aren't interested. I won't have the words to say I won't be able to answer the questions. I could never do something like that, but I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear and to understand the Spirit of God is already working in people's lives far beyond what you could think. The people around you in your workplace, the people in your street, the people on your uni campus, the people, wherever God has placed you, wherever your front line is, the Spirit of God is already at work. And at times you might think, I don't think God's working here, but I want you to look again with the eyes of faith. I want you to pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me where you are at work? Because he is always pursuing people. He's been described as the hound of heaven because he goes after people because he loves them. And maybe you're even here this morning and you're thinking, how did I end up in this service? I'm not even sure how I'm here, but you are experiencing, and I'm articulating for you what you're experiencing in your heart right now the Spirit of God who's been drawing you. And I want to tell you this morning that you're not here by accident. That if you're here, you too can come to know this incredible blessing of a relationship with your Heavenly Father through Jesus, his sacrifice for you. And this Christmas, no better time than now to come and say, yes, Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. To respond to that call on your heart this morning. But this is for all of us here. The Spirit of God invites us in to be a part. Can you imagine what could take place if all of us here this morning prayed a simple prayer? We just prayed and said, Holy Spirit, would you show me where you're at work around me on my front line and would you lead me to people of peace, to someone you might want me to invite to the Christmas lights, the Christmas services, to do Alpha, to start a conversation with, Can you imagine what could take place if all of us just prayed a simple prayer like that, the stories that could unfold? If we prayed that and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Can you imagine the conversations that could take place this week? The stories that would unfold like lees multiplied. That is our prayer. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to give us an opportunity to do that. We're going to bow in prayer right now. I'm going to invite the band to come out and we're going to bow together in prayer and we're simply going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, to reveal to us, to put people's names on our heart right now, to put situations or circumstances or particular front lines on our heart. Some of these people you might have been praying for a long time, allow that, that just to come on your heart again. Some of them will be totally new names, people you never imagined, people you think, no, surely not God, not that person. Listen to the Holy Spirit this morning. And then as we've prayed in a moment, we're going to do that. We have these cards out the front. And these have been put out by Alpha. And they simply say, I'm praying for this Christmas. And what I'd love you then to do, after we've finished praying, ask the Spirit of God to put names on our hearts, situations to come, and to write the name or names of those people down. And I want to invite you to keep this with you over this Christmas season. And then we're going to look back. You'll be able to look back. Keep it somewhere visible on your fridge or in your Bible or next to your bedside table, wherever there's something visible where you see them, Keep praying. Keep praying for those people. And then we'd love you just to feedback the stories of how God is working. To let, let us know as we can celebrate together. But I believe that if we all pray this, this morning, the Spirit of God is at work and He will show us. He wants to work through us. Invite us in to what He is doing. So why don't we bow in prayer right now as we just ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Holy Spirit, we thank you We thank you that you have drawn near, that you're working in people's hearts, that you're drawing people to yourself. You're working in ways far beyond what we could imagine. And now, Lord, we just say we want to be a part of what you're doing. And so we ask your Holy Spirit, come now. Would you speak into our hearts and minds? Would you show us where you're at work? Put in our hearts right now names of people. Maybe people in our workplace or in our communities, our streets, on our front lines, in our families. Lord, we just put people on our hearts and our minds right now. Help us to listen. But just now in this moment of quietness, would you come and speak to our hearts? Would you just pray that prayer now? Ask the Spirit of God to bring a name to mind, a situation to mind. be someone that God wants you to invite to Christmas lights this year, Christmas services, just to simply start a conversation or draw alongside. A person who the Holy Spirit's revealing to you is your person of peace. They're drawn to you, they serve you. I'll prompt you to invite them to read the scriptures with. Just allow the Spirit of God to speak to you now. Oh Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Incredible stories, Lord. Share just a few this morning. So much more blessing you want to pour out. And so we just make ourselves available to you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing this song. I invite you. Some of those promptings you had on your heart to send, come, write them on the cards down the front here. Take the cards with you. As a reminder, keep praying. We also have down the front some little business invitation cards to our Christmas services. We did have some for Christmas lights, but the first service took them all. I'm sorry. But you can share share the link on your phone. You don't need a business card. Share the link to the website on your phone if you're talking to someone. But there are Christmas service business cards. Just come and take them and pray, Lord, use me. Give me opportunities just to invite someone along this Christmas. But why don't we stand together as we sing and respond. You feel free to come. Write the names of those you're praying for on these cards. Keep them with you as we pray with faith and ask the Spirit of God to lead us. Let's do that together.